Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. We're here with, oh my gosh, such an incredible man, Will Crossley. He is the president of Piney Woods School in Piney Woods, Mississippi. And the reason why I have him on the show today is that I had, I was blessed to meet him and we'll tell the story of, of how he crossed paths into my life. We'll tell that story in a second. I was instantly incredibly impressed by him and I didn't even know his CV, which, oh my God, I'm just going to list a couple things here, which is he went to Pineywood School and he's the first ever president of the school that was a, an, an alumnus. I posted on Facebook that I wanted people to tell me if they'd like to be on the podcast, if the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting their business life. And he said, well, <laughs> it's not a, it's not necessarily a business, but it is something that is obviously wildly affected. So I'm excited to talk to you. In 2013, he was selected as a senior executive service appointee to the administration of President Barack Obama. He served as senior advisor in the Office for Civil Rights at the U.S. Department of Education. Before that, he was chief Council and Voter Protection Director for the DNC. He was an attorney. He was a clerk at the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Sixth Circuit. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on, but bottom line is he left Piney Woods. He was just basically an underachiever. So he left Piney Woods. <laughs> he went to college and then he went to law school. <clears throat> and then he, he also we went to Harvard and he got a master's in, in um, school administration planning and social policy. Welcome, O ye of long CV, <laughs> Will Crossley. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, uh, for having me. I'm excited uh, to be with you. I was not expecting you to read through my my background, but oh, um, but I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you did. It's it's um, uh, it's always good to reflect on what you've been through especially when we're going through difficult times um, like we are as a country now. Um, and um, I also love that that history of experience led you to, you, you turned away from that huge depth and, depth and breadth of experience that could have led you in a completely different direction into politics or whatever you wanted to do really um, with the, the experience that you had. And you turned and you said, no, my school needs me. And you went back to Pineywood School to, to, to lead it. And you're leading it during an extraordinary time. So I'll, why don't you tell the story of how our paths have crossed? Because it's a really, you, it's a really cool story. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Adelaide Hickson, um, who um, has uh, supported um, our school, Piney Woods, for a long, long time, um, um, I got to know her when I came on to do this, um, to do this work, and it turned out, um, she shared with me that her father 
uh, had supported the school before her. And when he passed away many years ago, she and her husband decided to take it up and support the school. And, um, and so it's just a really, really awesome story. Um, and it goes back, it goes back. That story even goes back to the birth of the school. Does it, it not? Does, it does. It goes all the way back to 1909, which, um, or 1907 before the birth of the school, our school was founded in 1909 by a man named Lawrence C. Jones. Lawrence C. Jones was a, a rare, um, college educated African-American in 1907 in the U S who'd gone to the university of Iowa. And another student at the University of Iowa at the time turned out to be Adelaide Hickson's father. And so they kept in touch over the years and her dad, you know, would invest in the school and contribute to our work. And, um, and so it was just a wonderful story. Um, and, um, uh, and, and then um, I was connected uh, with, um, through a mutual friend, um, um, uh, John Bielenberg, with um, uh, uh, Ed Bacon, uh, who um, mm. is um, the extraordinary um, now um, uh, retired um, uh, uh, pastor and rector um, uh, at um, All Saints in Pasadena. Um, uh, and he's we, been on the podcast. He's been on the podcast once and he promised me, we actually were scheduled to do another podcast a few weeks ago, but he, uh, he got, he got crazy busy, but we're going to do a podcast. Listen to this with him and his wife, Hope. Oh, nice. oh my God. So I'm so excited. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I have interviewed, Ed Bacon was one of my very first, uh, the very first people on this podcast. So we share Ed Bacon and we share Adelaide Hickson, who I've mentioned many times in this podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and Ed says to me, we're, Ed and I were, um, and Hope, um, we're all on a pilgrimage um, to, um, uh, to Pando. And um, that's, a whole nother story, but uh, but but we were all on this on this interfaith uh, pilgrimage, and Ed says to me, "Do you happen to know a woman named Adelaide Hickson?" And <laughs> and so that's when all of the pieces started to come together, and um, and he um, uh, uh, you know connected uh, all of us and and so forth. So um, so just a wonderful way for all of us to come together and. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased to be able to share with you um, what we're doing now. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to share the story, too, that I was at Adelaide's bedside once. She was in bed the last few years of her life, and I was visiting with her. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's I always visited with her on Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day was the day that Alec, her husband, had died. But it's also Ed Bacon's birthday. And I said, oh, Adelaide, we should send a message to Ed to wish him a happy birthday. So we made a little message, a video message for him, sent it to him. And then he sent me back a picture that he was with you. Oh, nice. uh, and then, <laughs> so I showed her that picture and she lit up like a Christmas tree. Will oh. Crossley. <laughs> so... So she really did adore you. Okay, so now cut to the, so magical, I'm so glad you're in my life through these two um, forces of nature. And now here we are. Let's tell them a little bit more first about Piney Woods School. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to do that. So Piney Woods School has such a unique story. It was founded, as I mentioned, 1909 by Lawrence C. Jones. And he came to Mississippi really following um, the uh, pathway um, that had been set by 
some famous African-Americans, including um, Booker T. Washington and others, she was really enamored with education and wanted to offer it to um, African-Americans in the rural South who didn't have access to education. Um, uh, and so he came here and he tried to start the school. He actually, he almost, he almost gave up because it wasn't going well initially. And um, it, it, in the South, especially in those days, but still today, when you come here from points north, people look at you with suspicion. And so it can, it can take a minute for folks to warm up to you. And, and, and so he almost gave up. And, um, you know, he was sitting, uh, actually reading um, some old newspapers on a fallen log, not far from where I sit today talking to you. And, and it was there that the first student came along and, um, and, and there under the shade of an old cedar tree um, on a wow. fallen log, he begins to teach this young man how to read. And, um, and he invited the young man to come back the next day. Uh, the young man came back. And after a couple of days, he brought a friend. Wow. And literally, each one brought one until we'd started a school. They moved to uh, a donated uh, log cabin, which was a two-room log cabin, which became the first sort of schoolhouse and boarding house. Students would come from pretty far because there weren't a lot of educational opportunities for African-Americans in Mississippi in those days. And so students would come from far. And so that was where the school began. And over 110 years now, the school has grown. And we sit today on approximately 2,000 acres of land. I have about 40 physical structures here. And we have students not only from Mississippi, but around the country and around the world. And so I have 20 uh, states or foreign jurisdictions represented everywhere from rural Mississippi to California to New York, Seattle and um, Florida and Ethiopia and the Congo and the British Virgin Islands. It's a very diverse mix of young people uh, now from around the world um, who come here for a unique educational experience. And um, I was one of those kids, as you mentioned. Yeah. And now I get to uh, do work to try to ensure that um, we can continue to do um, invest in young people going off into the future. And people still come from far and wide, right, to come to your school. They do. They do. In fact, it's interesting. We have an Alaska fund, which wow. kids from Alaska to come to school here. And over the years, we've had lots of kids from Alaska. And so just literally from all over and around the world, kids, kids come. Wow. My dad lived in Alaska for most of my life. That's just oh. a funny, bizarre synchronicity. There. Um, okay. So thank you for doing all the work that you do. Thank you for coming back from from Washington, D.C., from the excitement of your life in Washington, D.C., to to serve this amazing school. I just, I hope you get acknowledged up one side and the other every single day because it's extraordinary that you that you did that. It really is. Well, it's amazing. I appreciate, that. I appreciate that. Yeah, but you know, you do this work not for the acknowledgement of it. Um, you do this work because um, the mission is important. And I believe um, not just my job, but, but jobs like mine um, 
uh, service positions like mine um, really grow out of um, uh, calling um, to something greater than oneself. And um, that's, that's why we do the work. And so uh, my hope every day is that um, there are young people who, uh, whose lives are being improved by mm. what we do and what people invest in here every day. And so um, if that happens, then it makes it all worth doing. And when you say we, I know you're talking about the collective we of everybody that is is giving love and service to their school. But I can I ask you about your wife too, because your wife is <laughs> yeah, at, so, at your side at the school too. So so yeah, so she as she's a career educator with um, Monica. Uh, Monica uh, has over um, 25 years in the field of education, and unlike me, who uh, ran away from it and started practicing law and other <laughs> stuff and only to find myself back here again um she sort of stuck with it and so she's taught in the classroom and she's been a guidance counselor and she's been a school administrator and, and she directed special education programs for a school district and i mean just a a, a long um uh, you know, CV in, in this work, she really runs our academic programs um, every day. That's, that's the hard work. You know, I, uh, I have hard work too. I do mostly fundraising for the institution, but, but she's the one who makes it happen here every day. I simply could not do the work without her. And so um, what's great is um, there are also connections there. I was thinking of her when I was talking about Adelaide earlier because Adelaide and her husband spent significant time in Ghana and my wife Monica is originally from Ghana, West Africa. And so, um, so there are all these connections that yes. we have. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I forgot that part. It's so magical. I just got chills when you said it. It's just so extraordinary. And just so you know, um, I'm, I'm sitting in Adelaide's house. Adelaide passed away. I've, I've talked about her several times and I did a special episode right after she passed away. She passed away in November at 101 and mm-hmm. I'm in her home taking care of it until it's, uh, until it's handed over to a university that she um, bequeathed it to. The family needed somebody to be here um, to take care of it. And so I left my my home to come here for several months and but the the reason i'm bringing that up is just that the bathroom that is next to the room which is my bedroom is is plastered with the most beautiful um invitations all she saved all the invitations to diplomatic events when they lived in Ghana as ambassadors to Ghana. So the entire bathroom from floor to ceiling is covered with these (laughs) diplomatic invitations, which is so fun. And so we had to have Monica come over and see the magical bathroom because, (laughs) and I'd completely forgotten about that moment that we had. Yeah. And so she does this work with me. um, And I, you know, I just hearken back to um, our founder, Lawrence C. Jones, he also didn't do this work alone. His wife, Grace, was very instrumental in, in, in this work. She came to do this work from the very beginning. And she actually, uh, she actually came from a um, family of uh, abolitionists. Uh, mm. Her grandmother, born a slave, and 
uh, fought for her freedom and uh, bought many of her family members um, out of freedom and her school, her family integrated schools in Iowa long before Brown versus Board of Education. And so uh, Grace Jones, the wife of Lawrence e. Jones, came and uh, like Monica works with me, she worked with him, two of them who pushed the school forward. And so, so I just, just, I'm always reminded of that and the work that Monica does here every day is indispensable. Wow, that's such a beautiful story. I had no idea about that reckoning back either to the history. Okay, so now let's bring our bring our bring ourselves into this day, day whatever feels like day one million of the quarantine <laughs> um, in California. And I know just a note for the listeners is last week we had um, we had scheduled an interview, and Will had to at the very last minute um, cancel because at that very moment they had decreed lockdown in Mississippi. Right. So let's let's talk about how this is affecting you and the school. Yeah, so it, and it was a long time coming. And I will tell you that I really, I had to make some initial moves prior to the official moves of the state. I could do that because we are an independent uh, institution um, accredited by the Southern Association of Independent Schools. And so we can act as we need to. But we had the situation of our kids were away for spring break. And it was during that period of time that the coronavirus really became a big issue nationwide. And as we went into that, I started to get uh, inquiries from parents about whether schools were going, whether students would be able to return or what would we do. And so while our students were away from spring break, I had to make a decision. Wow. And at the time, no other school in the state of Mississippi had announced closing, even temporarily, um, no public schools, no private schools. And so I was looking around trying to decide what we would do. And uh, we just had to make the call that our students um, should stay where they were. We knew that we were. Wow. wow. Will, that's yeah. so brave. Yeah, we were not, we were not like public schools. We had, I had students in cities like Seattle, which had been hard hit at that point, New York, uh, Los Angeles, and every place in between. And so we had to make a decision based on the uniqueness of um, our situation. And so we did about a, just a couple of days later, the universities here in the state started announcing they too were going to be closing and, and wow. so forth. And so we felt good that we'd made the right decision. But thankfully, I have a, a physician uh, who's on my board who put me in immediate touch with an infectious disease expert who uh, gave us, they gave us all the appropriate health advice. And so we made that decision early. But um, we were very quickly affirmed in having made the right decision. Because hmm. had we allowed our students to come back, we would have ended up turning right around and sending them back home. And obviously, that was unnecessary expense. And uh, would because a lot of these kids don't have the they're on scholarship, right? So all of our student, all of our students receive scholarship to come to school here. And, okay, all of them do. And okay. and and that is. Um, you know, that's been, that's been hit by COVID-19 as well, because our donor community, many of them have, 
their own businesses or, you know, now are at home with kids or, I mean, it's, this has really disrupted um, our entire way of uh, being on and operating uh, as an institution. And so, um, so yeah, so almost everything that you might think about. So fast forward, it, it then took our governor, I think, another two and a half to three weeks or so to decide to issue um, a stay-at-home order. Uh, but I think he made the right decision. I'm so glad that he did when he finally did that. At that point, I had to make decisions about how that would affect our faculty and staff here at the school. And so we made decisions about keeping essential staff in place, but allowing others to work from home. There were certain uh, staff members who, unfortunately, we had to furlough at that time because they worked primarily with our students. Mm. Once we didn't have students on campus, we didn't have work activity for them. And so many of these individuals are, they're not the most highly paid individuals in the world. And so it really hit them and their family. They're part of our school family as well. It really hit all of us Mm -hmm. in a profound way. And so COVID-19 has disrupted life as we know it here at Piney Woods. Are the teachers doing remote teaching? Are they teaching online? Do the kids have what they need to receive that teaching? So that is one of the really highlights of how we've been able to continue through this. We started a couple of years ago, um, this is our third year now, with an online uh, curricular program. So our students were already accustomed to accessing their curriculum materials online. So we were ahead of the game in terms of of our students being comfortable with that. We of course had to figure out how do you hold class if folks are not in the classroom. And so (laughs) we began to explore Google Classroom and Zoom and all of these. And we moved to video conferencing uh, to uh, to hold online classes. And that, that has gone really well uh, for some of our kids. For others of our students, it, it has not uh, gone, gone as well. Two, two, very, two very brief stories. We, we have one student, a young man, he was on campus here. Um, he was from a, a state up north. And um, it turns out that his parent, one of his parents works from home. And so mm-hmm. now that he's coming to class online from home. He's, he's coming to class remotely. Uh, his parent is staying engaged and staying on top of him. And when mm-hmm. he was here at the school, sometimes he would procrastinate. His <gasps> mom wasn't there to say, hey, get your, you know, but now he's doing everything on time. I mean, oh my God, that's so cool. (laughs) The faculty were, were really um, just amazed at how they always knew he had the potential, but it was just getting him to do what he needed to do. And and so now that's happening. Well, on the up, on the opposite end, there's a student from the rural South here who he's now at home. And now that he's at home, he's got to help. And so his Mm. mom said, you've got to go down. And so he's, he's taken a job bagging groceries at the local supermarket. The supermarkets are essential, you know, and just here recently, uh, I was informed that, that 
when he was supposed to be online in class, he was uh, watching a, this is a 13 year old kid, and he's watching a younger sibling in the background off screen so that his mom can get a nap because she has to go to work later um, that day. And so um, the safe haven that Piney Woods could be for a student like that, it cannot be in the context of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so this plays out so differently for every student. Um, and, um, and, and so our students have what they need in terms of technology, but they don't always have the safe haven, the environment that the, the, the hedge that Pineywood School can be uh, for our kids. Yeah, that's such a, yeah, and you're, we're hearing, um, man, that just breaks my heart that, that a kid has to be an adult, you know, when they, right. it's so hard to have that on you, such a weight, um, and, and we're hearing, like, you know, rumors of, of domestic violence and think, you know, like the tensions within these homes that are not used to being this pressured. I mean, everybody's, all of these little houses look so peaceful from the outside, but they're pressure, pressure cookers. Some of them are pressure cookers. Well, and, and, you know, and I, I know that they've uh, called for everyone to, to, to stay at home. And I don't want to, I don't want to cut against that uh, order and that, uh, advice that's been given, but but I will say that we're, we're fortunate that we reside on a campus uh, that has a 250 acre demonstration farm, and so um, just yesterday and again on tomorrow, uh, I'll be spending some time on the farm. We're we've planted some uh, tomatoes, uh, cherry tomatoes, and some okra. Mm. Oh wash and uh and then we have you know we have our bicycles and so monica and i are we have two girls and uh we go out bike riding as a family and we're able and so i i just i say that hopefully to encourage people to think creatively Mm -hmm. about ways in which they may be able to do something as a family Mm. that still keeps everyone safe Mm-hmm. and you know doesn't allow this this uh this disease to spread so talk let's talk about that hopeful farm too because that is a ray of sunshine that farm talk tell us about the farm and and do you have enough people to take care of the farm where all the kids are away What's oh my gosh it's exciting you know uh, <laughs> agriculture and food uh does fall into uh essential uh job items and so we do have people who are engaged in that program. We're not scaled up as heavily as we would be if we had students uh, on campus, but we are continuing to invest in our farm. And so we have a, we have a full-time farm manager and a full-time assistant farm manager. Um, and then we actually, Piney Woods is not just about, we've never been just about ourselves. We've always been about community. Hmm. So we actually have cooperative agreements with uh, other farmers in the area. And one of our cooperative agreements is with the Alliance for Sustainable Farms uh, here in Mississippi. And so they're engaged on our farm as well. And so um, through all of us working together as community, 
Hmm. Uh, we're able to continue investing in our farm. We use all organic practices uh, on our farm um, to have the you know healthiest and safest uh, produce um, that we can uh, that we can grow there. And it's just it's a really exciting time uh, for that work, especially in the midst of of things like this to to see things blossoming and growing and new life. Uh, is um, inspiring for us and and for what we do uh, for what we do every day every morning um, I try to send our students and i 've been doing it uh, by video uh, methods mm. now, but I try to send our students a, a thought for the day a, a little devotional moment, something for them to um, to think about and on last week, I was with one of our farmers um, and uh, he he shared with me a quote. Uh, that, that, that goes as follows, to, to plant a seed um, is to believe in tomorrow. Oh. And, and, and I share that quote with our students that whatever they might be going through with in their homes or in their communities, um, we have to keep planting seeds. We have to keep believing in tomorrow. And so the farm gives us all of this produce and it gives us you know, um, healthy eating options. In, in a normal course, we have true farm to table here. We supply our dining services wow. with produce and vegetables from our farm. Um, but the farm represents more than that. It also represents this notion of uh, planting seeds means that we're believing in tomorrow. And so, um, so whenever I'm there, that's the inspiration that continues to carry me. That's a really great thing to end on is that ray of hope and that, and I'm inspired to, I just feel like I should do that too. I should plant some seeds at my, my real house. Um, <laughs> I think that's just such a life affirming thing to do right now. Thank you for that, that idea. It, and just, is there anything that people can do if they are inspired to, well, first of all, tell them how to find you online and anything that they can do to help support Piney Woods School. Oh, absolutely. So I, you know, I think there are um, certainly things um, people can do. One is um, certainly visit us online. Uh, you can do that at pineywoods.org. That's P-I-N-E-Y-W-O-O-D-S.org, pineywoods.org. And, and you can see some of the things that we're doing uh, uh, here at the school. Importantly, um, you know, I must say that uh, our uh, uh, scholarship fund was already oversubscribed and uh, it's become more so. Uh, the gap there has grown as a result of, of, of COVID-19. And so um, if you would consider um, sowing a seed into the work that we do for young people by contributing to our scholarship fund, uh, it would mean so much um, uh, to our students and, and to our institution. And so you can do that right online. There's a donate button. And I would encourage people to go there and, and, and click that. And then. Um, and I just want to interrupt to just say, I just want to reiterate what you said earlier, which is 100% of the students are yeah. on scholarship. 100% of our students receive scholarship uh, from the institution. Uh, we do have a sliding scale, and so parental contributions um, will um, be either on the lower end or the higher end um, of that, but all of our students receive scholarship from our donor community, and that's been true for our school for, you know, 
uh, it, its entire history. And so it's, we, we cannot do this without others uh, uh, pitching in. And so, uh, and so, um, and our results are phenomenal. Um, all of our students either go on to uh, a four-year school or a community college or military service. All of our students go on to, to, to positive outcomes. And, um, and, and so we're really proud of the success that our young people have. And so, so we certainly would ask people uh, if they would, would, would consider doing that. And then, and then finally, you know, I will say that uh, you know, we are um, uh, a school of faith. And so, um, and, and we are open to all faiths. And so students of any faith are always welcome here. Um, but however you pray, uh, however you pray, um, we hope that you would consider uh, Pineywood School um, as a part of your prayers, um, as a part of your thought processes, as a part of your meditations. Um, and, um, and keep us in your heart and in your minds and keep our students, even though they're not with us um, uh, at the present time, wherever they may be, um, that they might remain safe. Uh, we ask everybody if they would commune with us in those thoughts, um, we would, it would be uh, so appreciated. That's so beautiful. I think, and I, will, I don't think I'll forget either of the two students about whom you gave us a story. I will be thinking about that 13-year-old who's having to be a parental figure in his house while he's trying to get his schoolwork done. That is just like so, it's a really, it's a really big deal. And I'm sure he's not the only student like that who has those stressors on him. Yes. Because- yeah. It's, a, it's, um, it's part of what we do is we create this space in which um, uh, kids, can, kids can be kids and kids can spend some time investing in themselves and we get an opportunity to invest in them and to empower them. Um, Lawrence e. Jones, our founder, uh, said to the first incoming class at this school, you've come here for freedom, not from the kind of slavery your parents endured, but freedom from a slavery of ignorance of mind and awkwardness of your body um, and to educate your head, your heart, and your hands. And so we've been a school that's been about empowerment and freedom for young people since our very beginning. That's still the school that we are today. And, um, and so we want to be here to continue offering those opportunities for young people um, uh, for the uh, foreseeable future. Thank you so much Thank for you. all of that. And I... Oh my gosh, you will definitely be in my prayers. And I ask right now that legions of angels surround every single student that goes to your school and every single faculty member and every single employee that was furloughed. I ask that legions of angels surround each and every one of them and hold their hearts until that joyous moment when you're all back together again. Amen. Bless you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Will. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming, Superhero. That was Will Crossley. You can read more about him and about the school that he runs in Mississippi at pineywoods.org. And if you like this interview, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, tell your friends about it. We need more superheroes of love in the fold, right? More people that are encouraging us to love and be loved more than ever, just like Will Crossley. Wow. Have a great day, superhero. Sending you lots of love.